Pastor Moore is coming. Depot in Jesus. Have your way in this place. Give him praise. Jesus, your word. Isn't it great to be in the presence of the most high? It's not likened unto him, and neither will it ever be when likened unto our Lord Jesus Christ. To ever walk upon this earth in the power and the demonstration, not only of authority and power, but of compassion and love and gentleness. Amen. That he didn't let the enemy to persuade him or try to rob him. Neither did he listen to those that would try to get him off the cross, even though he knew there was a greater thing than that was going to happen. Amen. They wouldn't hear as many would have believed him coming off the cross as they have been coming out of the tomb. Amen. So sometimes we just simply got to trust God because God's got a bigger picture. And sometimes God has to, has to paint the picture, amen, to a place and into a place that we won't rob him of his glory. That we won't let man, amen, take it from him. Hallelujah. Thank God for his truth here today. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you. What a beautiful, beautiful atmosphere that we feel here this morning in the house of the Lord. Appreciate all that's here. God bless each one of you. Coming, being a part of this service with us to worship the Lord. It's good to see all in the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Man, Sister Deanna's out. Got stomach problems. Pray for her. Lift her up before the Lord. And others, it's out. Amen. I'm gone. This is Brother Ford. I mentioned work. And man, it's good to see others back. Amen. Some that's been sick, things. Amen. Sister Madison. Amen. God bless her. Are you want to introduce the son since daddy got to introduce the daughter or what? Where's daddy go? Amen. He's coming back up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> Basically, same size as his sister. Seven pounds, seven ounces. He was 19 three quarters, but we could probably stretch him out for 20 inches. Gave us a little trouble in the hospital, but hey. Mason Trent Clark. <laughs> Praise God. First Clark boy in how long? 22 years. First Clark boy in 22 years. Amen. Thank God for that. Amen. Hallelujah. God's given us a bunch of boys because it's coming battle time. Hmm. <laughs> And I'm not talking about a, a battle and battles between the United States and other nations. I'm talking about a spiritual battle. Man, we want to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Not in the nurture and the admonition of the world and the things of the world. We want to raise them up to love God, love truth and the ways of God. Committing their lives at an early age. God help us. God help us with the children and the youth we got now. Somehow that we can persuade them. Man, convince them this is the best life to live. Not to listen to that pull of the world. and Listen to the devil. The lies that's out there. But to have an ear for God. And have an ear for the spirit. What it has to say into the church. Come on, youth. You plan to be the church of today and not of tomorrow. So you've got to have an ear for the spirit of today. Amen. Amen. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless our Sunday school departments. They make their way back. Appreciate all of our students and teachers. Let's pray for our teachers. God would anoint them and strengthen them. And man, 
You know, people don't realize a lot of times they volunteer for certain positions. Sometimes we come into it a little blind, don't understand what battles we're going to fight, especially in the spiritual realm. Man, Sunday school teachers, uh, they may not realize it, but there is a spiritual battle that, that, in, that enhanced whenever they took on a position as a Sunday school teacher. So sometimes they may not understand some of the struggles they go through simply because they're willing to be a Sunday school teacher, and especially if it's in their heart and they make the preparation to preach this truth and, and war against the demonic forces and the powers of evil and false doctrines and teaching. And we only have one hour out of the week to do that. Amen. So it, it's, it's a must. Amen. We must prepare and give our best. Amen. To, to impart it unto our children. Parents, we need you to help us make sure your kids understand that, amen, this, this class is more important than the five days you spend in school. Now, you can debate me on that if you want to, but I'm here to tell you this class. The best the five days can give them is great, you know, careers and money making and things in this life. But, hey, man, this one can give them eternity that money can't buy. You give them hope and energy and direction in life, amen, to overcome some powers that only you can find here in the word of God, in the power of truth. Amen. Thank God for Sunday school. Thank God for those that's willing to take out the time and to put forth the effort to, to, to impart the word of God in their hearts and man, their minds and their spirit, to train them up, to train them up. We've got a powerful lesson today. Amen. Uh, talking about as far as authority and power and the workings of the Lord. Man, I'm telling you what. There's none like unto Jesus, that's for sure. And um, I could tell you this much, it wasn't in the end of the Lord to, for that power and authority to stop. But he, he gave us the instruction that we would do greater things. Greater things. As we follow him, as we become disciples of Jesus Christ, as we're called out of darkness into this marvelous light. This powerful light, this beautiful light. It's Paul related unto it is greater than the noonday sun on that road to Damascus with letters in his pockets. Man, with, with a desire in his heart and out of ignorance of thinking he was doing what God wanted him to do. But yet he was in error <laughs> and walking in the spirit of error until all of a sudden. Man, an encounter took place that knocked him off his beast. Man, maybe that's what we need. Some services that will just knock us off of our chairs. and Knock us off our thrones. and Knock us off of them places that would hinder the power of this light. Amen. To, to flow through us. Um, you know, we talk about these encounters, but most of these types of encounters... Uh, are life-changing and they're not you know you don't forget them but most of these encounters both in Old Testament and other places you find it a lot of times in the backside of deserts you find themselves after great war and battle trying to find some kind of comfort like in a cave Amen. Finding, some, from finding themselves running off to a wilderness, an isolated place, a place where they would feel possibly safe from their enemy. And God would knew exactly where they're at and how these encounters with them. 
And even in the New Testament, Jesus taught us uh, the importance of that prayer room, that, uh, that closet prayer room, that place where you shut the door, that place where nothing else is distracting you, that place where you're giving him your all. You're submitting it. You're yielding unto him. Man, calling on him for him to come into that room and into that place of prayer. And man, this is a place that has a visitation in, in this encounter. There's promises with it. Man, that in public, that he would manifest himself and use you to perform in a, in a realm and a place. Amen. To show that, that fellowship, that sacrifice, that commitment, that, that companionship that was formed there. Amen. And it's, it's not just a one account. In fact, the more often we would do that, man, the better off we would be. Amen. But taking that time to do it. Praise God. Go home to your friends. Go home to your friends. Man, Jesus is going to send a lunatic. Or he was a lunatic. No better place to be. No better place you can work and operate except where God plants you. There's certain fruits, certain vegetables certain products that there's certain geographical locations and this is the only place you can find them because the climate's right the soil's right and they won't produce any other place man and if they can most of the time it takes up a lot of attention a lot of care and it never really produces like it would in its native place that's the same way for you and I the reason it's so important to find our place in the body and the kingdom that God equips and calls us to and where he sees to put us amen and so here as he's going to send this lunatic he didn't allow him to come on the boat with him allow him and, and watch him and we're going to talk about it toward the end here but just, just, just for a moment the lunatic wanted to go with him and rightly so that's understandable. But he told him no. <laughs> See, nobody didn't really have any faith in me when I got here. In fact, you're the only one that came to meet me. And after you met me and I delivered you, they praying and asking me to leave. So I'm going to leave you as a witness. I'm going to leave you as a testimony. Because in a little while I'm going to come back. And when I come back, we'll see how they receive me then. And it was the power of the testimony of this who used to be a lunatic of who Jesus was. <laughs> Sometimes people's praying for Jesus. The only Jesus they're going to see is you and I. But we're enough if we walk in the light. If we'll just be where God wants us to be. That he can use us and trust us to be able to use us in such a manner, in such a way. Praise God. Focus verse is going to be found in Mark 5, 19 and 20. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. Simply means he didn't allow him. Suffer there, amen. So sometimes that suffered word, amen, that he, he, he allowed. Sometimes it means that God allowed. And sometimes it not mean that he did not allow. So he did not, he suffered means he did not allow him. To go with him. 
But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath, and hath had compassion on thee. This is one thing, there's a good possibility that the lunatic had not experienced up to this point. Wow, y'all looking at me like I said something shocking. When's the last time you showed great compassion to somebody that was so strung out on drugs? He's wild-eyed and acting like, man, he's acting like a lunatic. I'm going to leave that there and we'll come back to it. I already know the dots is being connected already. This is something I pondered even this week many times reading this, this story. For whatever reason, Jesus would not allow, God would not allow the writers to go in depths of what caused this. What caused this individual to wind up in this place, this condition. We do know that there was others that when the dead come, and he called his son, and I believe it's Matthew, the 15th chapter. He called his son a lunatic. And the disciples weren't able to deliver him. So he makes his way to Jesus. And Jesus delivers him. But he asks ask the dad. He said, from whence? How long? How long? He said, from a child he's been like this and so again it's another one of them situations it's just that we, we don't have all the insight we don't have all the all the blanks filled in for us but we can fill them in probably with all different types of like stories and situations and the answer could be for each and every one of them, regardless of what caused that and what caused them to be there, if somehow we can bring them to Jesus. If somehow that we can persuade them that we know one that can deliver them. We know one that will have compassion upon them and set them free. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Huh. Of the testimony of this gentleman, the witnessing power. Because, as you're going to see in this lesson today, there was such a change made in him. And not just in the heart. There's some that want to claim a change in the heart, but never changing no external things. That's impossible. When you become a new creation and you have a change in the heart, it shows up on the outside. Shows up in conversation. 
shows up in things that you have a passion for and desire for. And even to the point of things you'll start hating. <laughs> so, as we go into the lesson, I won't quite go into maybe quite like they have. But yet, I'm going to use a lot of the scriptures today. And uh, go from that. Um, first of all, let's just talk about dark itself. Darkness. Blind. Being blinded. Amen. We know, we know the scriptures taught us in the New Testament that the God of this world, and this, is, this, is where, um, this is where the battle's at. This is where the struggle's at. And we know since the fall of man, and uh, we understand, and, and I'm not going to take the time, we we'll have the time, man, that we're all, you know, born and shaped in iniquity. And this brings on that need, the falling of mankind, the first Adam. None of us exempt from that. This is the same type that you get from Jacob and Esau. Esau representing the, the physical part, the natural man, and Jacob the spiritual man, and how the natural man's got to come under submission and subjection to Jacob, and a man. And then you can go on it, and it talks about the mothers, a man, of the, of the harlot Rahab, or of, of Sarah, a man, the promised child that comes from Sarah, and, and where are we coming from. All this is even in the New Testament. And so it helps us to understand. That's the reason the Bible says that we've been called out of darkness into what his marvelous life. That's the reason John has written to us and said, he's a man, he's a man, he's a light unto all men. It doesn't matter who they are and where they're at, what's got them bound. Some may be bound with drugs. They may be bound with other things such as traditions and, and false doctrines and false teaching. Some can be bound even by this book right here because it's been instructed or given to them in a false manner and a false way. And they're being indoctrinated. And their, their mom was indoctrinated that way. And their dad was indoctrinated that way. And their grandparents and you hear this statement. They'll make the statement where it's good enough for grandma. But they don't know if it was good enough for grandma. They just say it was good enough for grandma. They don't know nothing about life hereafter. They don't know anything about that. They don't know. But you and I do because why? We know the one that conquered death. We know that he's alive because he's alive in our lives. We know that he's alive and well. Amen. So we know when you really experience God, you know there is life. Amen. A life eternal. Why? Because you know there is a God. A God. Amen. We don't. We didn't. We hadn't got to physically see him but we're going to amen but we can feel him and he can move upon us and there's no question about the power and the option and the moving of the Holy Ghost it cannot be denied and I'm telling you if you blaspheme against it if you reject it amen it put, you put yourself in a position to never find forgiveness of this awesome God that has so much compassion and so we have to we got to be careful Amen. And, and the world that we're living in, what, what, what a responsibility that lies upon each one of us as we become disciples of Jesus Christ, as we become followers of Jesus Christ, as we walk amen, after, amen, this, this light, amen, to help us. And so darkness, it's a must. Job 12 and 25, uh, the writer even mentions it in this lesson connection, amen, as he talks about Grope, grope, and, and darkness, amen, that's come across our nation, our world, amen, amen, it's from that time. And so it simply goes, they grope in the dark without light. 
and he make them to stagger like a drunken man in this darkness. Man, they just stagger like drunk men. And, 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 and you know what the greatest deception it is? It's when you have allowed yourself to be deceived. When you have just, have just took what somebody said across because, because we have, we as a nation with justice and liberty unto all, under one God. And most of them don't even believe in one God. That's the first check right there. Even, even a man with, with our own, what we, we're under the banner of as a nation. And then we have leadership and sometimes high, high, high officials that even sits in that White House that wants to proclaim that we're not a Christian nation. That what are we then if we're not a Christian nation? Under what God are you, are you portraying? Are you trying to, to tell us then? So I'm telling you, it gets deep and it gets deep quick. Amen. But thank God for the Bible and thank God for the Holy Ghost and thank God for truth because you can't, you can't never bury truth. You can't never stop truth. I'm telling you, truth is always going to rise up. Truth is always always going to win. Truth is always going to come out on the other side. It doesn't matter who's done what. Amen. Truth. Truth is what's going to get you out of the grave. Truth is what's going to get you to the other side. Walking in this truth. Loving this truth. And mixing it with faith. But I'm going to tell you something. I want to have a genuine love for truth. Truth at whatever cost. And whatever separation. Whatever is called on me. I want to have such a love and a passion for it. Because without that. We're going to fall to the wayside. Man. Because of the lack of this truth. And so, even, even with Moses, Moses' writings in Deuteronomy 28 29, and thou shalt grope at noonday. Watch, watch what he, how is he, this term noonday, you're going to see it several times in the Old Testament. Amen. And when, when you talk about, it's amazing to me what, what Paul, at Saul at the time, but became Paul, talks about the noonday, that this light was brighter than the noonday. But now, amen, you go back in the Old Testament, you're going to see in, uh, that the writers, amen, has written unto us and help us to understand this darkness and how, how, how groping this darkness can be upon our lives. We see that a lot. Amen. That, that darkness can be lust passions desires affections <laughs> amen that can get a hold of us that even when they're smote it amen with blindness they groped all night for the doorknob amen trying to find access we see it happening in our world today things that people become overwhelmed by and controlled by that they have given themselves or bowed themselves unto and we see that in the natural but everything you see in the natural it's just as real and more powerful in the spiritual realm I said more powerful why because there's a lot of things in the natural man try to take natural things to try to find deliverance from that. Amen. Whatever that might be. Just like they tried to get this lunatic and try to bind him up with cords and fetters. Amen. Amen. To tame him. But yet no man could tame him. There's only one that can tame us. There's only one that can set us free. There's only one because we've all been held captive now. You're all captive. Nobody's exempt from it. I'm not exempt. But there's one that came. Amen. They take the captive captive. Hallelujah. So you're captive by one or the other. You're either captive by darkness or you're going to, be a, to become a captive. Amen of light and there's no in between there's no gray Jesus makes it plainer to us we either for him or against him the doctrine uh, to walk in the light <laughs> now they've took that doctrine a little too far they simply say that you know whatever, whatever light that you revealed to you well okay but the foundation is a must 
You got to get the foundation right. And then you got to walk from there. So, so what they meant by that light, amen, is they didn't have to believe in repentance, baptism, and Jesus saying the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But you can't find that in the scripture. You can't find that in the book of Acts. Okay. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just, I'm just, this is the truth. This is the truth. And we got to hold on to it. Because I'm telling you, it's under attack. They're looking for any loophole. They're looking for any avenue. The devil's looking for any opportunity, a man, that he can, he can destroy and tear it down. And so, as we watch this, you can go to Job's, Job's writings. Wait, let me go back. I didn't, uh, Deuteronomy's, thus uh, grope, a man. He's talking about this darkness, grope at noonday. As blind men gropeth in the darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be, uh, be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. And nobody's going to deliver you when you choose to walk in that way, and you give yourself. Uh, amen. The, no man's going to come in to save you and deliver you from that. And so Moses' warnings of this, and I, I won't have time to go into all of that, but any. Then you go to Job, and you're going to notice some things. I'm actually going to preach out of Job tonight, if the Lord allow me. Amen. And, and, uh, but you're going to see some things, even some of, the, what, some of the things his friends said. Amen. They was true, but uh, some of the way they said it toward Job is, is, was where the problem came in, okay? It wasn't that some of the things they were saying wasn't true. It was. Amen. But the only problem was some of that they were saying, amen, was wasn't true about Job. Amen. Because he had not committed some of these things. But, but anyway, we just want Job 5 and 14 said, and they met with darkness in the the daytime and grope as in the noonday and as in the night. So we see this term pretty often in the Old Testament as he talks about this. So we're already getting a little insight and a little revelation of the power of darkness. Amen. And when we humble or yield or give ourselves unto it, the greater that darkness can become. And so that's the same way you're living for God. Amen. Righteousness. Amen. Holiness unto righteousness. As you start this process, I'm not interested in backing up. I'm interested in moving forward. How about you? Amen. With that endued light and revelation. You can, you can watch, amen, the creation of light itself. Amen. There was a time, amen, and I, I didn't live in that time, but there was a time, and I, I remember a birth in his old house and things like that. And had to be rewired and all of this, but used to, they would just be one. One light in the room, one little bub. Amen. And a lot of times there wasn't a switch for it. Amen. A wire was run to and a string was pulled down. And you walked up and you had to pull the string. String to get the light on. And that was all the light. And then there might, there might would be one plug, one plug in that room. But tonight or today, amen, there's all type of lights. Amen. We done went, amen, from, from condescent bubs, amen, to fluorescent bubs now, to LED bubs, amen. And then you got soft light, and then you got in the daylight light, and, and all kind. And they all did put out different kind of lights. And I'm telling you, the world and the devil's doing everything out to put out the true light. But I'm telling you, God's calling some people and calling some families and calling some churches. We're not going to be put out. We're not going to be overcome. Darkness is not going to eat us up. Wickedness is not going to eat us up. Technology is not going to eat us up. Hello, y'all. The stairs to the cops of the enemy is not going to gobble us up. Oh, ship of science going to make it, baby. You just hang on. The sun just going to keep coming up. Hallelujah. How many of you pray for the sun to come? No, we know the sun. Amen. God put it in there. Put it, amen. The earth's going to keep coming. And we don't worry about it because God done commanded it's already. It's going to keep on. That's the same way with the church. The church is going to make it. I don't care how many storms come. I don't care how big they are. <laughs> you can't put the sun out. Sun kept shining. You couldn't see it, but it was still there. But the next day it showed up. It was just as great as it was the day before. 
There's a key right there. I'm not going to let the storm put me out. If I'm going to do anything, it's going to make me stronger. It's going to make me more determined that we're doing what's right and pleasing in the sight of God. And we're going to stay with it. They tell me, you take trees that a lot of times after storms and shaken, tossed, it makes them stronger. If they have survived the storm, if they've been able to hold on, it breaks up that, that, that ground underneath the root system. And then that root system digs in deeper. Amen. Reaches down further. <laughs> That's what you and I have to do. When that enemy tries to come in, we just have to just reach on down. Because we have allowed our roots to wrap around some promises and some commandments. And a stone that's an unmovable stone. A stone that overcome every temptation. A stone, a man, hallelujah, that you can crawl upon when you feel like all you can do is stand. Well, guess what? Stand. Stand on the stone. Because the stone has survived every storm. The storm has never failed. I mean, the rock has never failed. It's not going to fail our day and time either. I don't care what all the naysayers are saying because there's a lot of people out there professing to be Christians, but they're not. They didn't have the goods to start with. Hallelujah. But you got to have the goods to start with. you got to be on the right foundation to start with. you got to have the right pinnacle. Experience right. I didn't mean to go this way, but here I am. You gotta have all that right first, amen. Because you'll never survive the journey. You'll find an easier way. You'll find a different direction. You'll find a different group to cook up with and connect with. I'm telling you, it's never the will of God for all these denominations and ideals and ways. Hallelujah! Go to heaven. Hallelujah! God's always had one way of a salvation. When it came to salvation, there was only one tabernacle. When it came to salvation, there was only one ark. When it came to salvation, there was only be only one lamb, one name, one savior, one body, one church. One God, one head, it's all wrapped up in one. I want to be wrapped up in that one. I go on further than that, but it offends some of you, so I'm not. And I don't mean to say it ugly, I'm just telling you. One, one, one way to God, one door. <laughs> Praise God. And so. It's the reason we've been called out of that. The revelation to experience this. and to, to do what? To be a witness. To be a light. And to help to others. And so we see. He goes from that to the writer in this connection. Amen. He goes on. And I won't go to Isaiah. But, but now we can go and look at Genesis. Genesis 12. And we see. How that there that, that Abram was called upon the voice, and we know this, so I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna read it. You know this. How I was called out of the earth of the Chaldeans, this idolatry place. God was setting up a mission. God was on, 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 on a move. If you know in the beginning of Genesis, he dealt with all of the universe and everybody. Now he never quit doing that. But because of man, because of his falling nature and his carnality, amen. When man's left alone, and when your conscience is left alone, and you don't you don't make, you know, if you don't cry out, and if you don't have a place to go and to hear God's word and, and to feel the power of God, you'll never think of no God. That's the reason, well, watch this. That was the reason of the Sabbath day also. 
said and done. Even though it's reaching on further in the New Testament, talking about a real rest. But God knew that man would get so cut up, so caught up in, in his own hands, and so caught up in what he's building and what he's doing. Amen. To glorify himself and provide for himself that he wouldn't even take a rest on the Sabbath day. Amen. If you go back and read, that's what that Sabbath to keep it holy. And regardless of what coming and going, you don't let your servants work. You don't let your oxen work. You don't let none of that work. You take this Sabbath day and understand where your blessings are coming from. Who's your provider? Who's your way maker? Because all that you're doing, amen, it doesn't matter what it is. There's only one God that's always provided the way and made the way, amen, for you to, you to be victorious and have the jobs you've got and the strength to do them and the wisdom, the talent, ability to do it. I tell you, it's still all wrapped up in Him. Hallelujah. We can't be lazy and just expect God to give it to us. But on the other hand, amen, neither can we get caught up in our own strength and talent and ability and think that we're doing Oh, no. There is a God, amen, that's got this thing all mapped out. So, and it would probably do us good. Can I just say this and I'll move on? It'd probably do us good, though, to go back and think about that Sabbath day. Because, because now we're reaching a place that don't mean nothing. We treat Sunday just about like any other day. And I'm talking in general. Do we think going places? Except the house of God. And so... We know that as he called Abram and began to move upon him to, to move out. Now watch this. Watch even about Abraham. Hebrews 11, 8 and 10, and 10 helps us understand this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. I'm going after a place that he should receive afterwards as an inheritance. God didn't show him nothing. He just spoke to him. It was nothing but the word of God. The voice of God spoke to him. And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise. How many of us? We won't even hardly go to Loosedale unless we know where we're going. Come on, let's go for a ride. Where are we going? We're going to McDonald's, Burger King, Walmart. We're just going for a ride. I can just imagine when Abram walked in every Saturday. Come on, baby, load up. We're fixing to head out. Where are you going? I don't know. God said, hey, it's time to go. <laughs> and she submitted. <laughs> All right. Here we go. <laughs> I'll go on. <laughs> Amen. I'm saving that message for Brother Randy. He's going to preach it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. He just kept walking. He just kept marching. I don't understand everything that goes on in my life today. And neither do you. But you know what? I'm pressing on. I'm marching. I'm going to keep on journeying. Because I'm looking for a city. I'm not looking for it in this land. I'm not looking for it in this world. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in moving to the city. I'm not interested to be a mayor of a city. I'm not interested in none of that. Amen. In fact, amen, if Broom gets a place that's got a city, I'm going to tell them to keep more road out of it. Hell, keep it out of the city limits. We're not interested in that city. If there is a city, I am interested in. But it's not in this 
this life. I love this old rural country life. Hallelujah. So what if I don't run 5,000? It ain't important. I just soon live right here where God's put me. This is where I believe God wants me to be. So I'm content and satisfied right here. And we're going to do our best to pluck out, to pull out those that want to be saved out of Bendale, Mississippi. And there's nothing I can do about them and don't want to be. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to continue to fuss and gripe and try to continue with everybody else about it. I'm not in competition with the big churches. I'm not in competition with nobody else. Hell, in fact, we ought to all be working together to do the work for God anyway. Well, I'm going to say this, and I don't mean it rude, but I'm going to say it. You don't like the way of a rural church and a country church and move to the city. That's all I can tell you. Just God, and I don't mean that harsh. God have mercy if I did. No, no, I know. But, but anyway, I didn't. But anyway, let me move on. Watch this. It goes from that. And the writer talks about the prophets. Amen. And, and I'm just going to short time again here. If I don't, because I'll be gotten a bind with time here. Psalms 45 and 1 says, My heart is indeed of good matters. He says, I speak of the things which I have made, made touching the king. My tongue is the pen. Of the ready writer. What, what's he talking about? Prophets. Prophets. They would prophesy. And there's multitudes. Okay. I don't have the time. I couldn't go to Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. I mean, come on. The, the minor, the major prophets. And all this prophesying is going to take place. Things is going to unfold. And some of it happened 700 years prior. Some of it 500 years. But we know it all took place. And it all unfolded. And the writer talks about how that, that possibly the demonic force. And we do know. We do know this. Amen. That the seed of David. This kingdom ship. The seed that was promised to us in Genesis 3.15. Amen. The seed of the woman. That's going to come in its appointed time. Galatians. Paul's writing to episode. And that appointed time come. Come of a woman, a virgin. Amen. We know the story with Mary. We know what unfolded there in the angelic host. In fact, he goes to that in Luke the second chapter. And he talks how those angels began to sing that song. Amen. Of the Lord of hosts. And a savior's come. And he moves upon those shepherds to go and make their way to Bethlehem. Where it had been prophesied under... And that's even how Herod found out where to go look for him. Amen. And try to find him. He wanted to go and worship him. But you know and I know the scriptures lets us understand. He didn't have a desire to worship him. He wanted to kill him. Hallelujah. The devil's always wanted to kill the Messiah. It's just like he wants to kill the church and the light thereof. But you know what? He never done it and he never will. If he hadn't done it, amen, in six or seven thousand years, he's not about to now. And so you and I just need to get over some of that and say, you know what? We're going to survive. We're going to make it. God, you shape and mold us to be the soldiers of our generation. You shape and mold us to be the light that you want us to be now. You help us walk with God in the manner of the way that you want us to now. So we humble and yield ourselves. And it, it, all that is very important and it works together. Then, as we go into the scriptures and, and the scripture, scripture texts and, and the episode. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit of the latter part of last week's. Amen. But what took place there? Because I believe, I believe, as you look in Mark and in Matthew and in Luke, you know, Matthew the eighth chapter and and Mark, Luke the eighth chapter. And uh, I know they talk about two and they talk about all that. That's not important to me. But but right now, out of Mark, at Mark the fifth chapter, you're going to see some things that happened. The latter part of that fourth chapter, though, let's let's rehearse just a minute what took place in the lives of the disciples. You know, they was in the boat. 
Amen. And you know how they came to Jesus because the storm, the storm that was overpowering them, overcoming them. And, and they said, carest thou not? And, and I made mention of that. I, I think our approach unto the Lord is very important. We cannot approach him as a beggar. We can't approach him, amen, and with, a, with, a, with, a, with, 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 with staggering or, or with doubt. Now let me, let me clarify that, son. Watch this. A lot of times in our hesitation of prayer is because we really don't know the will of God in it. And so we pray God's will. And God, we're trusting you, and we got enough confidence in you that how it plays out was God's will. Okay? But there's some things that you and I know that is God's will, and we're going to fight for it. We're going to believe him. And you know what? He doesn't want us to stagger in. Brian Bartimaeus is a good example of that. What did he do when he got the attention of Jesus and when he was informed that he could come to him? What did he do? He took that beggar's coat before he ever, before he ever gained sight. Before he ever made one step toward Jesus. That still works today. Still works today. When you, when you and I are moved upon and we're stirred up, when we start up out of that chair, we come in believing that God, you're going to do it. You may not have a beggar's coat on, but whatever that coat might be, huh, I'm going to leave it in the chair, buddy. It's a done deal from there. All you got to do is come and get it off the table. Just like the lady with the issue of blood. You just got to come and get it off the table now. And so, as you look into to Mark 5 and, and the latter part of that 38 through 41. Uh, I want you to notice something. The word fear. It's amazing to me. What drove them to Jesus to start with? To cause, to wake him up. Fear of what? Of life, of death, going to be destroyed, and rightly so. But watch this. After Jesus, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. They became more afraid. <laughs> they just thought they was afraid before. <laughs> now all of a sudden, man, after he stepped out and done that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what manner of man is this? That's the reason the right visitations of God will all wind up on the carpet. That's the reason, amen, Brother Fultz talks about that time with Brother Him Kilgore. Brother Kilgore was praying. And the power of God came into that place with him. That they couldn't look up. All oh, the best they could do was flee and run. It's a different time. 
Okay. So now we go to the fifth chapter. And, and they came over to the other side of the sea into the land of the Gadarenes. And where he was come out of the ship immediately, they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Notice where he comes from. Notice where he had abode and, and homestead. This is one of the areas I try to work with one of our neighbors. And they were trying to persuade me. They were hearing God's voice and directing every footstep. Well, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or received begging bread. And you got to beg every day. You don't have a place. You don't have an abode. You don't. Now, I'm going I'm to I'm play on both sides of this for us is over with, okay? So we can tell the. The place where he, now, could it be? Why did he choose that? And, and, and it's open. And I, I'm not, I don't even want to let my imagination. But how many of us would let a lunatic move in with us? <laughs> I read your mind. Well, I'm living with one. Uh, that went over good with some and not with others. That tells me what side to fence you on. <laughs> Woo, God's good, isn't he? All right. But anyway, we wouldn't somebody that was, and you know, this lunatic part, we don't know. We don't know how dangerous it was. We don't know what extremes and um, so from whatever, okay. But we do know, as the scripture makes it plain to us. Now, not only that, but Luke helps us out. He says... And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils a long time. So we understand that by Luke's writings that it, he had been this way for a while. Been in this condition for a while. He had been deviled, possessed for a while now, for a long time. And he helps us to understand that he, he, he didn't have no clothes on. He wore no clothes. Well, I see a lot of loony people, don't you? <laughs> Y'all might always lighten up, man. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, so if we go by that, <laughs> there's certain places you better not go. Because <laughs> they need to put up the sign. They're going out to this is where the lunatics abode. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But, but anyway, we're going something else. But anyway, we understand this. Now, that's important because as you watch the end of this, you're going to notice some things come out about it. And to help us that we have a good mind, a right mind. And so Luke kept us to understand that neither abode. Notice, he, goes, he don't say kind of where he's at, but he says, but neither is he abode in any house. He didn't abode in any house. So he's, he's living out in the tombs. The tombs, now remember, these are caves. The caves, they would go into side of caves and caverns. And, and most of them was, you know, something like, you know, eight by ten or something of that nature. And they would go in far enough. They'd put three on each side and two straight in. For most, for most of them. Most of them, a man would hold eight. There were some big enough to hold up to 13. 
Okay. And so this is where he would take up shelter. This is where he would get out of the weather. This is where he, you know, this was his home, I guess you would say. Amen. Up in the tombs, the mountain. Now, the writer goes on, he talks about living there. And you could just imagine how, how this would sound as it would come down maybe through the valley. How he would moan and cry over this pain and sorrow. Have you ever heard somebody that really moaned and cried? And I'm, I'm talking about a brokenness in them. It's different. And sometimes it may not be of great, great volume. But you can tell it's such a pain. It's such an agony by, by the moaning and the tears and the, the facial expression that's there. Uh, the pain that they're in, the struggle that they're in. And, and so here, here, this is, this is kind of where he's at. This is kind of where he, he's at. And um, so... It goes from that, he said, in that third verse, you go back to Mark, he said, after talking about the dwelling among the tomb, he said, no man could bind him. No man. It didn't matter who it was in the city. They couldn't bind him with chains. He'd break them. He would, he would tear them apart. And so we understand under this demonical powers that he's in, that it adds strength. I've heard stories. I've heard events where in church that uh, they would be a devil-possessed person. And there, there would be those that would wrestle with this individual and take grown men. It may be a little lady, 80, 90 pounds. And she would literally throw them off like they were just rag dolls. Can I be honest? I don't see where we're supposed to do that. I read where David wrestled with an angel, but not with a demon-possessed person. The power's in the tongue. Or the power's speaking. I'm going to go a step further than that. If y'all wait on me to, to, when folks get up here and worshiping God, they're magnifying God. And they start doing whatever. I'm not going to try to hold them up. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to do that. Because if, they, if they're in God, God's going to take care of them. Now, I know that's going to go over big too. But I'm just telling you like it. You know, you don't have to worry about them. God's got them. Now, if in the flesh, they may trip and fall and bust their head. We'll slap Joe and get them sewed up, bring them back, and they clean up the blood. Preacher, you've been, yeah, I am. Because those things can happen. God's not happy with that stuff. Okay? I like it like we felt it this morning, folks. That's the beauty of the presence of God. And I worship what please Him, our, our response. And we should never let our worship reach a point in place that we try to rob the attention. Because if you're doing it in the flesh, you just became a thief. That's the reason we believe in dressing right. We don't dress, we don't dress to draw the attention. 
to be a distraction. We're here to worship God. That's what we're here for. We're here to magnify and exalt and praise and let His glory fall. Why? Because we need miracles. We need deliverance. We, we, we need to be renewed, refreshed. I don't, the, the greatest saint of God in this house. You know what? We still need. I, I want His presence. I want that touch. I want that visitation. We need it. You know, you, you, this afternoon, you can, you can fix the greatest meal there is, the most healthiest, greatest meal there is to fix. But it won't be the last one. Unless it is the last one. <laughs> Unless you say, I'm going to eat no more. Well, okay. And, and a few days from now, we'll, we'll bury you. <laughs> that was our last meal. <laughs> okay. So, so. Help us, Holy Ghost. So I can get myself sometime. Anyway. <laughs> But if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into the chains of darkness, and to be reserved unto judgment. Notice when I'm, the darkness is there, the, the, the power of that darkness. And, and so we know that there were some, as you go to Second Peter, as you go to Jude, the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And so when you go to Mark 5 and 4, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. I want to break something out. Boy, this is, I'm, I'm, this is just one of them little, I won't call it a golden nugget. It might have been for me, but it may not be for you. Uh, but let me, let me see. James 3. For every kind of beast and, and of birds... And serpents and things that are in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed by or of mankind. But watch this. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of a deadly poison. That's the reason it's so important. Now you hear me this, hear, hear this this morning. That's the reason it's so important to speak in that heavenly language with that Jerusalem ring. Because that's the only one that can tame our tongues. He likens it to a fire that can start, that can actually start a war. You can say what you want to about the wars. I could take you back to the first murder. It started with a tongue. When Cain went out to Abel, instead of receiving, it started with a tongue in that conversation. I don't know. The Bible don't tell us what was said in the field. I just know before it's over with, Abel lost his life. But not his voice. Because God said, I hear your voice, the blood of Abel crying out of the ground. <clears throat> There's nobody that can, can tame us like he can. That can move for us and help us. And for time's sake, I won't go there. But you could go to Daniel, the fourth chapter, and read about Nebuchadnezzar and the power of his tongue as he boasted and bragged about his kingdom, about what he had built. And he took credit for it. And God, God's judgment fell upon him. 
And he sent him out into the field. And the heavenly stew fell upon him until his, his hair grew like eagle's feathers. His, his paws, amen, amen, and fingernails grew like eagle's claws for, for seven seasons. All of that was in the tongue. Man, profession claiming. Huh. Spirit of rebellion is running a rapid in our country today. I'm going to tell you one thing that's fueling it big time. And that's drugs. Most anybody ever dealt with that's messed up on drugs. One of the, one of the things that connects itself with that is the spirit of rebellion. And in your face attitude. But if you could ever break that, if you can ever break that spirit, son, they'll humble themselves and yield themselves and find the help they need find the help to be delivered have I got Bible for that watch this what did the lunatic do first when he saw Jesus afar off he came running to him and worshipped him he come dragging some two thousand demons to the feet of Jesus Christ they couldn't stop him when an individual makes up their mind, I want to know you for myself. I want to, I want to, when others failed him, when others came up short, when others done what they could to bind him, maybe not showing much compassion. This is one of the areas where I struggle, I'll be honest with you. Just lock him up. Put him back, cuss off, throw him away. Seen many come out of there delivered. But if I can get them here, if I can get them in the presence of Jesus, and if I can show them the real compassion of God, they'll find real deliverance. But compassion's got to start here first. Long suffering. Only God knows. Only God knows. I didn't say give me honey. I didn't say bankrupt yourself supporting their habits. I didn't say none of that. I'm going to move on. Compassion went a long ways with this lunatic. Scriptures begin to pick back up, and I'm going to try to just move on from there. Oh, can I say one? Man. And always night and day, he was in the mountains, in the tombs crying, cutting himself with stones. I'm going to tell you something. Something's wrong when we're cutting ourselves. We're listening to the wrong voices. We're giving ourselves to the wrong spirit. Okay. In fact, if you entertain that spirit enough, one day the cut to go a little too far. The pushing to go just a little too. 
And watch this. As much and as terrible as it was for others, and I don't know, the scripture don't let me know who he was related to, where his mom and dad was at, if he had wife and children. I don't know. I do know that he was tormenting a, a village or city of people. But what about himself? The torment that he was in himself. The agony and the pain he was experiencing himself. And it's easy. Oh, I'm, I'm fixing to hit one right here. <laughs> it's easy to say, well, he didn't have to. But the scripture really don't let us know why he's there. What choices were made. What decisions were made. Some people we need to have compassion on that didn't have a whole lot to do while they're in the place they're in. They was born into that environment. They was raised into that. And they don't know how to act any different until somebody shows them until somebody's willing to show them compassion and a little love and a little kind and some, it are, some it's going to click with and some it's not but it's not our place to draw the lines to determine who they are unless God speaks to us okay hey, it, 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 when you, we got a lesson here if you're really paying attention we got a lesson we, we got, we see a power though, an authority that flows out of Jesus Christ. Could it be that he sent them through a natural storm first? Before he ever introduces them to a spiritual storm. When's the last time you saw some trouble in the natural? Have you ever thought about, God, why am I not delivered from this natural battle here? What's, what's going on, God? Why haven't I got the desires of my heart in a position? Am I doing something I shouldn't be doing? It's the reason you can't bless me. Why am I, why am I the same storm? Hey, I believe God works that way. Even today. He brings things. What's he? He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to correct us. He's trying to get us back on. He knows immediately when we start getting off a course. Your pastor may miss it. Parents may miss it. But God doesn't. And there's some things that we can practice for years. Never realizing if I back up. I'm going to tell you something God's working on me about. And I don't ever preach it at this church. And maybe that's been a mistake. But I'm going to go back and do some studying on it. And, and getting some things together. And that's tithes. Tithes and offerings. The scripture says give your first. If you want the blessings and the favors of God. There is a method that God set up for that to happen. And if you don't, you tie God as big and as mighty and as awesome as he is. 
Because he's not going to work outside what's in that book. I'm going to preach on it. I'm going to teach on it sometime. Because I think it's important. Because God's been dealing with me about it. So. <clears throat> and I got to hurry here. I'm gonna... I want you to notice something. Seventh verse. I didn't mention how that in the sixth verse, how that he saw Jesus far off and he worshipped him. He cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thy son of the most high God? I adjure. That's a key word. Now this is actually the demons, the demonical force that's actually crying out to him now. I adjure thee, my God, that thou torment me not. He's asking, he's talking to Jesus and calling him God. He's asking, he's begging, he's pleading. Look the word up. Don't torment me. Psalm 63, 66 and 3 says this. Say unto God. How terrible art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thy enemies submit themselves unto thee. Write that verse down. We don't fight the enemy. Guns and bombs. We fight the enemy with prayer and submission and obedience and fasting For he said unto him, come. come. Now, I believe he had done spoken this. So as you watch the scriptures, even though it's later, watch, I believe Jesus has spoken to the gentleman now. He's made his way and worshipped him to come. Come out of the man, thy unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And 10th verse, catch it again. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Again, the demons sought Jesus, asking, begging, pleading. Amen. Don't, don't, don't send us out of the country. Now there was their night unto them in the mountains, a great herd of the swine feeding. And all the devils now is going to join in. All the devils, amen, besought him, sought Jesus, amen, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them, asking for permission. Demonical forces, fallen angels, and demons recognize Jesus Christ as the Son of God when the Israelites and the Jews failed to recognize Him. Now we've seen the difference of the powers that takes place. They're asking. They're actually begging Him. They wouldn't even question they was coming out. They wouldn't have doubt in their minds that they wasn't coming out. They wasn't no fussing going on, no bickering going on. They was just asking permission, to, can we go somewhere? Not out of the country, not just out back. Now, I don't have a whole lot for this, and this gets a lot deeper in my brain, okay? But I do know this. The Bible's taught us this. That when a man repents, what goes out of him? Unclean spirit. 
And it goes for a season. But it's going to make its way back. Could it be that the devil's looking for vessels to inhouse and and, and happen into and dwell in and to operate through? And amen. And the vessel, amen, has to yield to the devil or you can resist him. Watch this. I believe this. I preached it. And I know it's an old hat, but I'm going to. Drugs will condition your mind to yield to the devil and to his voices and allow him access in. It's proven. It's proven. It's proven. I don't know what caused this guy to wind up in this condition. God did, Jesus did. But you know what? I don't think it really matters. Once it clicks in their mind, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to humble myself to him. The writer goes on later on and tells us that we got to do what? Submit first. First, before we can resist the devil, we got to do what? Submit ourselves unto God. And then we can resist him. Another scripture. Jude 9 and 10. This is the time of Michael, the archangel. It talks about when he was contending with the devil and disputing about what? The body of Moses. Does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said the Lord rebuke thee. But these Speak evil of those things which they have not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts. And those things they corrupt themselves. I want, you to, I want you to go back and read the book of Jude. Go back and read what's, what's happening there. The importance of the judgment. What's coming. And nobody's going to be exempt. And then he talks about the tongue. And he talks about, and he brings it back. Jude brings it to our remembrance about what took place in the warfare between Michael, a man, and the devil disputing over Moses. Because they don't know where it's at. God took it and he, and he placed it and he buried it. And they don't even know where that tomb, that place is at. And so the squabble over his body, who's going to claim it? And, and, and Michael... He doesn't even fuss with the devil about it. He, don't, he just simply says, the Lord rebukes. His authority and power above all of ours. Something to think about. The warfare, the battle, the struggle. Folks, if I, you know, to be honest, if we could really see the spiritual realm, we wouldn't leave this house today. If God really pulled the curtain back, we'd all be shocked. But thank God, He knows what we can handle and what we can't. Okay? 
so the thir- thirteenth verse picks up and says, For with Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered to the swine, and they heard of the swines violently down to the steep into the sea. And there was about two thousand and were choked in the sea. What happened to the spirits? Can you choke a spirit? Can you drown a spirit? You know, it's amazing what swine knew to do with them. And sometimes we don't. When he comes knocking on our door. We've actually, we're actually moving into a time where people is inviting it. You'd be shocked the people that's, that's, that's looking for avenues and means to find the demonical forces and powers and devil worshipers. So those that had fed the swine told the city and all that was in the country. So they went out to see what it was that was done. In other words, when they went in, they told everybody what happened to those swines and what it took place both in the city and all in the country, they come out to Jesus Christ now. They want to see him. They want to, want to meet him for themselves. And so as they come to Jesus and see him that was, and seen him that was possessed with the devil and had legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, they became afraid. Why? Because, hey, we've never seen such power, so much authority. We've done dealt with this guy. We'd have done everything we know to do to deal with him, to tame him. And all of a sudden, this stranger, this, this Nazarite comes in on a boat. And just by speaking the word, he's delivered. He's set free. He's made whole. I know what time's up. You can stand to watch this. Man, I... I'd love to go to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. It talks about how that we walk as the light. How many of you have noticed that two, two main elements, we've been talking about some, especially in the last few weeks, called salt and light. Have y'all noticed they're in our lessons the last two Sundays? It's mentioned, it's talking about them. You and I to walk as children of the light. As followers of God's, as examples of His. There's so much more I'd love to just address and talk about here. And, and um, so I'm, I'm going to just take, take a minute here. So, so why is all this so important? Now watch this. The lunatic that used to be a lunatic desired to go with Jesus. He wanted to get on that boat because the people said, hey, you got to go. You got to leave. We, we don't understand this. We don't, we don't understand what's happened. But, but you got to go. And so the lunatic wants to go with him. And I know I mentioned this start. But Jesus wouldn't let him go. He said, no. I want you to stay here. He said, I want you to go back to your friends. Go back to your home. And you and I can only imagine now. As possibly, maybe, maybe he went. Now watch this. This is what's going to make him such a powerful witness. He walks up to the gentleman. I just broke that. I saw it sticking out. Oh, well. He walks up to the gentleman. He was the one that had put those bands so tight around his wrist that blood run out. That felt so sure I got him this time. I, I got him. I, I got him. 
walks up to his door. And he comes to the door. Probably, probably blood run out of his face, start with. Ain't no way. Huh, what? They was among the crowd. But Jesus sends him right back into some of his worst enemies that offended him, that run him down. Those he'd walk by when he'd come through the town and they would grab their babies and shut the doors and run back in. Shh, shh. You're talking about a testimony. I can name a few in this community if they'd let God convert them. I'm going to say this. Most churches don't want them. We better welcome. We better have enough compassion. But watch this. You know why we can have compassion? Why can we have compassion? You know why we won't have compassion? Because we don't have the faith to believe they can be delivered. And we'll say that they don't want to be changed. But I ask you something. Did the lunatic want to be changed? He did. There's the key. I don't know who it is. So I know to do this, be a witness. And hopefully and prayerfully, it'll connect. And they'll say, hey, we're going. We're going. This is where we can, this is where we can get a turnaround. This is where we can be set free and delivered. That's the key, folks. We just got to have the faith to believe. You know what? God can heal them. But watch this now. Let's go back to the little boy that was a lunatic. And the disciples couldn't. He said, because of your unbelief. These kind only comes by fasting and prayer. There is a price to pay. There is a commitment. That goes beyond good music, good singing, good preaching, good emotional moves. There is a realm. There is a power. There is a spirit to walk in as the church of the living God. Because we don't want to just be in hype. And we don't want to just get emotionals worked up. And, no. There's got to be a power in this place. <laughs> that lunatic saw Jesus from afar off, the Bible says. But he saw something in Jesus. He saw some actions in Jesus. Could it be that Jesus sent his disciples through a storm? Not for the disciples. But there was a lunatic that was in the tombs. Which happened to be on the mountains. Which happened to be up that night because he could never sleep. Moaning and groaning. And all, and all of a sudden a streak of lightning flash. And all of a sudden he's looking across that deadly sea. And he sees a figure. What was that? Don't say he couldn't be seen because the disciples saw him. And they, they was fearful to start with. They didn't know if he was the spirit of man. They didn't know. And now it captivates his attention. And even from that far distance, could it be see, he watched it all unroll. And that's the reason two writers, when Jesus comes in,
Could it be that he watched the, he watched the vessel? He watched him when he stepped back in it. He watched the episode with Peter. He watched all of it. And now here he comes. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's no greater power of a tool than the eyes. Because the eyes is the window to the soul. What, had, what was found in that vessel? Okay. Who did he see? Jesus. But Jesus is what? The door. He's the only exit out of here. He knew there's my Savior. And those 2,000 demons couldn't stop him from coming. <laughs> that tells me that we have the power over demons if we'll, if we'll just make up in our minds. The power of the mind, the power of the heart, the power of the hunger of the soul. But preacher, you just ain't been where I'm at. You ain't been struggling and you ain't this. And, you, and I've heard that. Man, I have heard that in the last few weeks. Well, apparently you ain't seen Jesus. That's all I can tell you. You ain't seen Jesus. There's not a storm that he can't speak to in the natural. And there's not a demon or demons that he can't deliver you from. But you got to see Jesus. And then when you see him, you got to come worship him. You can't worry about Tom. And you can't worry about Mary. You can't worry about everybody else. You just got to make up in your own mind. I'm going to make my way to Jesus. He didn't let the seeking of Peter stop him from coming. looking at everybody else and say, you know, I'll make this a personal thing between me and Jesus. Huh. It's going to make all the difference in the world. That was the key, I believe, for his life. And then he goes back as a testimony and a witness. Read on. Jesus is coming back. When he comes back the next time, guess what happens? They welcome him. I just wonder why they welcome Jesus a second time. Because of that witnessing of that old lunatic. <laughs> that was sitting and eating, clothed and in his right mind. The power, don't, don't ever underestimate the power of your story of what God's done for you. You tell it, you tell it, you tell it. You just keep telling it. Because there's somebody that needs to hear it. Lord, we love you today and appreciate you in this house. As you move upon our hearts, our minds, and our spirits in this place. God, we want to humble ourselves unto you. We want to be the witnesses of our generation and of our community. We want to walk in the powers of your compassion and grace and mercy. God, you help us not to grow weary in well-doing, but commit our ways unto your call and to your election. God, you help us. You help us turn this community upside down with our witnessing powers of you as our Lord and Savior. We let the power of your word, the power of your spirit, and the powers of your love flow through us as we humble and yield ourselves. God, you help us to be a, a, a testimony and a witness unto whosoever it might be as you anoint us and use us in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you again this morning. Uh, continue to pray for one another. Let me make mention of this. Brother Rouse's dad, in, in, um, uh, he has a brain disease. It's a rare disease. 
And in the last two months, he went from playing the keyboard, singing songs in the church. He's in the hospital. He can't sign a check. He can't do any kind of business whatsoever. In fact, the physicians have told them if something doesn't change, they hadn't. Uh, they basically call it the mad cow disease. It's basically the same thing as what Brother Rouse told me and said that uh, from all accounts and what it looks like at this point, they gave him two to six months. So let's take them on our hearts and in our prayers that God would just move and touch and be with them. We know a God that can touch and just in that situation, and that's what we're going to believe for, okay? Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you.